Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everybody, I want to welcome you into the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and we are headed into the second week of college football. Week one was jock full of action. We had a full slate of games. We had some exciting matchups, some matchups that seem to be worthy of college football playoff type matchups. I'm talking about Clemson versus Georgia. I mean, we had some exciting games. We also had Alabama versus Miami. We'll, we'll dive right into it. We'll dive into week two of the Cherry Picking Podcast. This podcast will start off with a recap of my week one locks, and then I'll preview the action ahead in week two. So let's just dive right in. In week one, I had my top five locks, and then the ACC, my week one lock there, I had NC State over USF. NC State did not disappoint. They beat the Bulls by a score of 45 to nothing. The Wolfpack running backs, Zonovan Knight and Ricky Person Jr. rushed for a combined 268 yards and three touchdowns. The NC State defense picked off South Florida three times in this game. So this was slight work for the NC State Wolfpack. They've got a really uh, exciting matchup coming up this weekend against Mississippi State. So I'll be all in on that. But I am very proud of my NC State Wolfpack. They get a, a very solid victory to open their season against USF 45 nothing. And I get a win out of my top five lock out of the ACC for week one. In the Big Ten, I had Wisconsin over Penn State. Sadly, this was my only loss of the weekend for my top five locks. I thought Wisconsin would handle Penn State pretty handedly. And boy, was I wrong. Uh, For the most part, this was a very boring game through the first half. These two teams went scoreless during the entire first half. And then the highlight... The highlight of this game, of course, is the Nittany Lions defense. They did well this past weekend against the Badgers. They picked off quarterback Graham Mertz twice in this game. Mertz also fumbled the ball over and turned it to the Penn State defense. So this young man had three turnovers on his own in this game. But a bright spot for Wisconsin, we had running back Chez Malusi. He was the leading rusher of the game. He had 31 carries for 121 yards and one touchdown. So if there's any bright spot there is that Wisconsin continues to run the ball very effectively. However, the air attack game was non-existent and Wisconsin as a result gets a loss 16 to 10 at home in Madison against Penn State. So that's a good victory for the Penn State Nittany Lions. They had a very disappointing season last year and to open up the season with a solid victory over a ranked Big 10 opponent That's a pretty good way to start your season, if you ask me. So, out of the Big Ten, I I drop. I get one L there out of the Big Ten. In the Big 12, I had Iowa State over Northern Iowa. Iowa State holds on to get the victory 16-10. And I told y'all on the Week 1 podcast that don't overlook Northern Iowa. Even though I was picking Iowa State, you know, I had confidence that the Cyclones would get the job done. This is a really tough rivalry game in the state of Iowa. Iowa State versus Northern Iowa. I mean, this was was a game here, and it could have gone Northern Iowa's way, but fortunately for me, Iowa State stuck it out. So some notes I just want to recap. 
Northern Iowa, they stuck, they struck first in this game. Quan Hampton scored on a 52-yard pass from quarterback Will McElvian. Quan split the defenders and took off on a chase to the end zone. And they put the he put the Panthers on the board with that 52-yard pass uh, that ended up in a touchdown. Iowa State scored its only touchdown of the game in the second quarter on a Brees Hall two-yard touchdown run. The rest of the Iowa State points came on three successful field goal attempts throughout the game. I knew it would be tough, but I didn't envision Iowa State having such a lack of offense in this game. Northern Iowa, they deserve a lot of credit, and they actually outpassed Iowa State 230 yards to 199, but their quarterback, McElvian, threw two interceptions to the Cyclones defense, which did not bode well for the Panthers of Northern Iowa. So they kept it close as long as they could, but Iowa State stuck it out, and they got the victory there, 16-10. to So that is my victory out of the Big 12. And in the Pac-12, I had UCLA over LSU. UCLA gets a pretty impressive victory over the LSU Tigers by a score of 38-27. to This was a big-time win for Chip Kelly and his UCLA Bruins. UCLA outrushed LSU 223 yards to 49. And it's hard to get any production on offense when you're not able to run the ball successfully, as was the case for LSU. Uh, Some notes here, UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson, he had a bounce-back performance this week after struggling a bit in last week's opener against Hawaii. In this matchup, the junior completed 9 of 16 passes for a total of 260 yards, 3 touchdowns, and 1 interception. The Bruins running backs averaged 7.3 yards per carry as junior Zach Charbonnet had his second straight 100-yard game with 117 yards on 11 carries and a touchdown. So that's a pretty impressive day for UCLA, especially for Robinson. I'm expecting big things from him this season. You know, he's had some time at UCLA, and and this is the time to let everything kind of go, like let it go. And so, you know, we'll see what UCLA can do. They're 2-0 right now, which is a great start for Chip Kelly and his Bruin team. And we'll see if this is if this is the point where Chip Kelly is able to turn the tide for the Bruins. A very impressive victory over LSU, a ranked LSU squad at home. So we'll see what UCLA can do the rest of the way. So I get the victory out of the Pac-12. And then my final game in the SEC, I had Alabama over Miami. Now, I thought that Alabama would get the victory. I was pretty confident of that. But I think a lot of folks who cover college football and who are fans of the game thought that Miami would bring forth a better effort and that the game would be a lot closer. Coming into this game, I mean, Miami has a lot of weapons, a lot of returning firepower on the roster for this season. And if you look at Alabama, I think they return like 11 total starters to the team. So even though Alabama you know, doesn't have quite the experience uh, coming into this season in terms of returning starters. Alabama just simply reloads. They reload. They got Nick Saban, the best coach in college football, one of the best coaches in sports in general. And the fact that you got him, you're you're going to be fine. You, you are going to be just fine. As was the case this weekend, Alabama over Miami. The Crimson Tide got the victory 44-13. to and like I said, Alabama just reloads. The Tide was able to control the ball for much of this game. Time of possession was over 37 minutes for Alabama, if you can believe it or not. That's that's a lot. 
Bama superstar sophomore quarterback Bryce Young looks like he's already ready for the future. He looked like he was California cool. This young man, he is from SoCal. And the quarterback threw for 344 yards and four touchdowns in this game. And if you can believe it or not, Bryce Young's first start as Alabama's quarterback proved historic as he set a school record for passing touchdowns and yards in his debut as a starter on Saturday's 44-13 victory over Miami. So Young, a sophomore, as I just mentioned, he threw 344 yards, four touchdowns. He completed 27 of 38 passes with no interceptions. That's a pretty, pretty good start to his college football career as a starter at Alabama. So this team just looks like it reloads. It's going to be ready for the season. I mean, to have a solid victory over a Miami team that's supposed to be pretty legit out of the Coastal this year. You know, many folks believe that it's, uh, you know, North Carolina, Miami, they're going to be 1-2 this year. You, you might not believe it after week one, after they both lose uh, the way that they did. Miami got embarrassed pretty much, 44-13. UNC lost to Virginia Tech. Uh, so Virginia Tech may be looking like the dark horse winner out of the Coastal this year, but the season is still still fairly young. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what will happen and what will play out over time. So, But for Alabama's sake, that's a pretty good tune-up, pretty good start to your season to beat a ranked Miami squad. And they did it seemingly pretty easily, 44-13. In this game, Hurricanes quarterback De'Eric King, he did struggle. He went 23 for 31 for 178 yards. He had two interceptions and only one touchdown. And then the leading rusher for Miami, Cameron Harris, he only had 38 yards on 12 carries. So the Alabama defense controlling that ground game pretty effectively to limit Mr. Harris to only 38 yards on 12 carries. The Alabama defense also sacked King four times and forced him into three turnovers. So De'Aaron King did not have a good day at all. That offense for Miami struggled quite a bit there. And so they will have a chance to regroup and, and bounce back you know, once they start uh, ACC play, but to to play against Alabama, arguably one of the, the best teams, looking like one of the best teams this season. A lot of folks think that they will be in the playoffs. A lot of folks think that they could win the national championship again this season. So certainly something to look out for as we head down into the regular season of the conference play. But there we have it. That is my top five locks out of week one action in the ACC, NC State over USF. The Big Ten, I had Wisconsin over Penn State. They lost. I had in the Big 12, Iowa State over Northern Iowa. Got a victory there. Pac-12, UCLA over LSU. Got a victory there. Pretty impressive upset win, shall I say. And then in the SEC, Alabama over Miami. So I went 4-1 and one this weekend. That's pretty pretty good to start the season. I would love to go 5-0. I'm going to try to go 5-0 this week for Week 2 action. Let's go ahead and break down those games, those locks, out of the Week 2. In the ACC, I'm taking BC over UMass. Now, I expect this to be pretty slight work for BC. They're going to roll big time against UMass this weekend. In its season opener against Colgate, the Eagles of Boston College blanked the Raiders 51 to nothing. That's pretty good. Former Temple Tough guy, he transferred into the program. 
Isaiah Graham Mobley. He had the second most tackles for BC in the game last weekend against Colgate. So I'll be watching that young man because he had quite the career at Temple. He transferred out to BC and I'm just looking to see what he will do for BC in the future as this is a playmaker and, and probably someone that is looking to enter into the NFL draft after this season. Aside from that, I think BC is definitely going to be a program to watch out for in the Atlantic this season. I think it's going to be a three-headed race between BC, NC State, and Clemson. You know where my heart is at. You know who I'm hoping will win out of the Atlantic, but BC will be a team to look out for this season. And then out of the Big Ten, I'm taking Rutgers over Syracuse. This is going to be a matchup of the bottom feeder teams out of the Big Ten and out of the ACC, respectively. Last week against Temple, Rutgers scored over 60 points, 60 for the first time since 2016 and for the first time against an FBS opponent since 2008. I think the score was like 61 to 14 or something like that, which is pretty crazy that Rutgers, and again, keep in mind, this is not a, you know one of the better teams out of the Big Ten. This is the wor- one of the worst teams out of the Big Ten this season, most likely, beating up on Temple the way that they did. I get it that they're a Big Ten team, but that still should not happen, especially with the playmakers Temple has, the playmakers that Temple brought in, that transferred in this season. 61-14 to 14 or whatever the score was, that's pretty, pretty bad. That's very bad. And the fact that they were able to do that so easily has me thinking that Temple is going to be a program that is going to be one of the worst teams out of the American this year. I mean, that that's just a pretty bad score. And again, granted, it's against the Big Ten team, but we're not talking about Iowa. You know, we're talking about Rutgers. Anyways, to get back on track here, Rutgers over Syracuse. I, I think Syracuse, though... You know, we definitely want to keep an eye out for Syracuse running back Sean Tucker. Last weekend against Ohio, he rushed for 181 yards on 25 carries with one touchdown. So while I'm picking Rutgers, I think it'll be a closer game, certainly. But I expect Rutgers to pull it out. Greg Schiano going to get a, a second win of the 2021 season. And I will definitely be watching Rutgers because they are so close to where I live here in Philadelphia in terms of proximity. That's a program that I would I would like to see them get back to some sort of some form of relevancy. I'm not saying that they gotta be superstars and I'm not I'm not a Rutgers fan. But I like Greg Schiano and, and I think he's a good coach. He was a good coach the first time that he was there before he left. And so I'm I'm really am interested to see what he will do in this uh in this iteration of him coming back as head coach. So Rutgers over Syracuse out of the big 12. I'm taking Iowa over Iowa state. Now I know I just picked Iowa state to beat Northern Iowa. I know I told you Iowa state is my favorite out of the big 12 this season. I am rooting for this team to do well out of the big 12 because I would like to see some change at the top within that conference. It's usually been Oklahoma just running away with it every single season. I think that stops this season and while I'm high on Iowa State, I still can pick Iowa to beat Iowa State this weekend and take home the Cyhawk Trophy, which is awarded to the winner of the game. It is named after the team's mascots, Cy the Cardinal for Iowa State and Herky the Hawk for Iowa. 
Hence, Cyhawk Trophy. So I'm taking Iowa to beat Iowa State. Iowa leads this series 45-22 to and has won the last five meetings. These two teams last met on September 14, 2019, where Iowa won 18-17. This game was canceled in 2020, of course, due to the pandemic, marking the first time since 1976 that the rivalry hasn't been played. So I am picking Iowa State to lose in this matchup. Iowa will win for a sixth straight victory, and they will reclaim the Cyhawk Trophy yet again. And then out of the Pac-12, USC over Stanford. That should be pretty simple there. I think USC gets a pretty good victory over Stanford. Stanford lost last weekend to Kansas State. And it's kind of sad to see Stanford kind of come back down to reality. For so long, Stanford had been one of the better teams in college football. I mean, they just consistently strung together 10 win seasons like it was nothing. I think Stanford struggles a little bit this season, and I think they will lose this weekend to USC. Then I'm taking Texas A&M over Colorado. That should be pretty slight work for A&M. Jimbo Fisher, I think he just inked a, a, a contract extension. Pretty pretty nice contract extension just a few weeks ago. So I think A&M will roll big over Colorado, and those are my locks for Week 2 action. I'll recap them again for you one more time. In the ACC... I'm taking BC over UMass. In the Big Ten, I'm taking Rutgers over Syracuse. In the Big 12, I'm taking Iowa over Iowa State for the Cyhawk Trophy. Out of the Pac-12, I'm taking USC over Stanford. And out of the SEC, I'm taking Texas A&M over Colorado. So those are my locks for Week 2 action. Book them in. It'll be 5-0 for me, 5-0 for you. These are straight-up predictions. Those are my picks, and let's uh, see how it all plays out this weekend. But right now, I'm going to take a quick timeout. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. On the other side of the break, we'll preview some Week 2 matchups. I'll also talk through some other college football news from this past week. So we've got some more content to enjoy. Don't go anywhere. Be right back after this short break. Hey, guys. Mike here, a friend from the podcast of Chibli's Playground. It's a podcast about board games, pasta, and a whole lot of fun. You can find out about sweet new games that are coming out, sweet old games that have been out for a while, and the best favorites. Who knows? Someone might even get a golden hoodie. Matt, tell them where you can find them. Uh, You can find us at uh, Chibli's Podcast at Twitter and Instagram. And also, you can find us on uh, cheapleysplayground.com. Wow, you guys nailed it. Good job, good job. Nailed it! Yeah. I got an IMDb page, so... Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts join the show, and there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We had a little break there, a little time out. Now it's time to reset the show, and we'll get into the second half of this podcast. And I want to say, before I get into it, thank you all for downloading this episode. I appreciate it. If you are a follower of the show, you know you probably listen to this every time I put out a new episode. You can tell that I'm a little uh, nasally, 
I, uh, I've got some bad allergies right now. And fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, it's not COVID. I did take a test, but I do have some allergies that I'm fighting through. And so if I sound a little nasally, it's because I just getting over the allergies, getting over this cold. So hopefully for week three action, I, I don't sound, uh, so nasally on the podcast, but I appreciate you downloading this show anyways and listening and following the show and following me on Twitter. Thank you. Thank you. So let's dive right in here. Second half of the show. We've got some exciting matchups in week two. We've got number four, Ohio State versus number 11, Oregon. This should be a really intriguing matchup. You know, we've got the speed of Ohio State, the speed of Oregon, two teams that are ranked very very high this season ohio state they were able to survive a a scare against minnesota i mean for for much of that game for at least three quarters of the game it seemed like minnesota had ohio state right where it wanted them it seemed like minnesota was going to be rowing the boats all the way home because they looked really impressive in that game pj fleck gets a lot of uh, credit and respect for kind of having the balls to go for it in certain certain situations i think there's a fourth down play that he went for it and they were able to advance the chains there but ohio state starting with the new new quarterback um you know kind of got some of the jitters out i would say in that game I'm, I'm curious to see how he will bounce back uh, after beating minnesota they pulled away in that game but i am curious to see how ohio state will do with a better team uh, against an oregon team that is ranked number 11 I'm really interested to see what happens there before i kind of go on to the next games though i, I did want to mention in that ohio state versus minnesota game from last weekend a young man was running all over he was running all over Ohio State, and that was Minnesota running back Mohamed Ibrahim. Unfortunately, he will rest. He will miss the rest of the season after he suffered a lower leg injury on the loss to Ohio State last Thursday night. Some folks speculated online that they thought it could have been a um, Achilles tendon tear. Uh, the The team didn't go into details on Monday when I'm recording this episode about what that injury really was specifically but they said that it was a lower leg injury i think coach pj flex said that it was a pretty clean tear and that he'll be able to undergo surgery and he'll be able to recover within four to six months so i'm, I'm hoping for the best for that young man ibrahim he was the third team ap all american selection in 2020 he's gonna miss the entire season he had a pretty impressive game against Ohio State before his injury. He had 163 yards rushing, two touchdowns on 30 carries before being uh, before limping off the field in the 45 to 31 loss. When he went out, you could just feel all the air go out of the stadium when Ibrahim limped off the field. He was really the workhorse for Minnesota, and I really thought that Minnesota was going to pull up, pull off an upset. Because this young man was running all through Ohio State. Really, it looked really impressive. Uh, this is a young man that was the Big Ten running back of the year last year. So, I mean, this dude was looking solid. He was looking really impressive. Uh, there's a quote here from P.J. Fleck. He says that Ibrahim uh, was disappointed. He's worked incredibly hard, but it's football. You can't control the injuries when you get onto the field and you're playing in games. He's got a great sense about him right now, and he's... Uh, a great presence. He's obviously not happy with what happened, but he's been able to deal with it, end quote. 
So that is quite unfortunate. Ibrahim, he was already a fifth-year senior. He endured several injuries earlier in his career, but he still ranks eighth in team history with 3,003 rushing yards and fourth in rushing touchdowns with 33. He has 547 career carries. So in 2020, in the COVID season, he was the only Big Ten player to rush for 1,000 yards and set Minnesota's single season record for rushing average at 153.7 yards per game. He ranked second nationally in scrimmage yards per game at 161.7, trailing only Buffalo's Jarrett Patterson, who had 178.7. So, you know, whether he comes back to Minnesota again for a sixth year uh, or goes to the NFL, that's really a choice that he's going to have to ponder as he sits out the entire season with this injury. It's it's quite unfortunate that he got hurt because he was looking really impressive. He would definitely have been somebody you need to keep your eyes on this season. And it's just unfortunate that with that injury, he is he's out for the season. And it, it sucks that Minnesota, all of the air kind of went out of their sail, you know, as they were trying to get to shore. But we will see how Minnesota bounces back after this loss. We'll see how Abraham does in his recovery, in his rehab, hopefully he makes the uh, smart decision that he can for whatever he like to do, whether that's to come back or to the NFL. It's ultimately his decision, but I am wishing him the best. So anyways, that should be a, a big game to keep your eyes on this weekend, Ohio State versus Oregon. And then we have number 21, Texas versus Arkansas. We get a little preview of the SEC right here. This is two SEC teams eventually at some point potentially in like three years from now and really curious to see what texas will do against an unranked arkansas team texas should handle arkansas fairly easily this shouldn't be a matchup that worries anybody if you're a texas fan but i just something about it is making me call it out because i think it might be a closer game than texas fans would like to think but I just think it's a game we should be watching because I, I we say it every year. Is Texas back? Texas is back. Texas is not back. I don't know if they're back or not, but I just, this game has my antennas pointed up. That's all I'm going to say. So keep your eyes on Texas versus Arkansas this weekend. I think that could be a really intriguing matchup. And then we've also got NC State over Mississippi State. I think this could be a really interesting game because NC State, I projecting them to, to be one of the darlings out of the Atlantic this year. But Mississippi State, you just, you don't, you can't count them out. You can't count this new look Mississippi State team out. Uh, if they can get the win against Mississippi State, I will feel really good heading into week three of the season. But I just, I want to make sure NC State gets that momentum into the Atlantic, uh, into the ACC regular season play. I, I just, I need NC State to win this game. If they are for real, they will win this game against Mississippi State. So this is a game that I'll be paying very, fairly, very close attention to in week two action. And then uh, lastly, another game you should be watching, number 20, Washington versus Michigan. I think that's a game that you want to pay close attention to. It'd be a solid victory for Michigan if they can get it. I, I don't know that they will get it, though. I, I I will have to spend some time before I make my prediction 
as to who I'm going to say will win that game. But I think number 20 Washington versus Michigan will be a game that we should be keeping our eyes on. So those are some other week two matchups that have my interest this weekend. You should definitely check them out. Before we get out of here, I just want to read you some news within college football that I found pretty interesting this past week. The first article here from ESPN, Georgia's JT Daniels and UNC's Sam Howell signed trading card deal. JT Daniels, quarterback for Georgia, has signed a six-figure deal to use his name, image, and likeness on trading cards. Daniels and UNC quarterback Sam Howell partnered with Super Glow Trading Cards to create roughly two dozen different designs for each player. The arrangement will pay each quarterback $100 for every card they sign, as well as 50% royalty fee for every one, with or without a signature, that is sold. The substantial royalty fees are rare, if not unprecedented, in the trading card industry, according to the player's agent. Both guys have significant six-figure guarantee, said agent Dan Everett of ESM. If they're playing well and their teams do well, this could turn into a seven-figure opportunity by the end of January. Good God. The cards range in price from $15 up to $1,000 for one that includes Daniel's signature and a small piece of his high school jersey. These cards will be among the first available memorabilia from current college athletes after the NCAA changed its rules this summer to allow players to profit from their names, image, and likenesses while in school. Super Glow plans to release a set of cards this October that will include 30 athletes, many of them college players. The company's deal with Daniels and Howell was arranged prior to the start of the season. Daniels and Howell have both tried to share some of the new endorsement opportunities they are receiving with their teammates. Howell included 10 of his teammates in a recent photo shoot for one of his sponsors. Daniels made sure each of his teammates got a free article of clothing after signing an apparel deal with Roback in August. So Daniels plans to give half of the money he makes from the trading card deal to his teammates. Everett said all 100-plus players on the Bulldogs roster receive will receive something. So that's pretty generous of him, and that's pretty big, pretty big, uh, pretty big deal. So that's, that's pretty cool. Pretty interesting to see how this name image likeness is really being used across college football. I'll certainly be tracking more of these types of stories that I find interesting as we proceed through this the season. But I just wanted to call that out as something that really was uh, pretty interesting. It's trading cards and, and uh, cards, uh, sports cards, memorabilia, it seems to have been making a resurgence. I don't know if that's a product of the pandemic or if it's always been as popular as it, it seems to be nowadays. I, I know when I was a young kid, trading cards was pretty cool. It was a thing to do, to go to uh, Dean's Dugout back in Naperville, Illinois, where I'm from. And I, w- I had a little membership card. And he this dude had all sorts of cards, memorabilia that you could want. Players would come in, current pro players or uh, past pro players would come in and sign... Uh, sign their cards or sign pictures. It was just a pretty cool as a little kid growing up in the Chicagoland area. I didn't know that trading cards was still as popular as it seems to be today. Like Pokemon cards seem to be back again too. So it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty neat to see that there's a market there and that it's pretty lucrative for these uh, young college football players. So 
I will definitely be tracking more of those types of stories as we proceed forward this season. And the last article or last news story that I want to share with you all, you probably already heard the news that BYU, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati are planning to submit applications to the Big 12 this week. And this article from ESPN, it states that BYU, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati are planning to submit applications next week or this week to join the Big 12 sources confirmed to ESPN last Friday. The schools could be approved for admission as early as a September 10th meeting of Big 12 presidents, according to Sports Illustrated, which first reported the story. Things are moving very quickly. One source told ESPN on Friday there's obvious momentum to get votes to the board. American Athletic Conference bylaws require schools to give a 27-month notice before they leave and and pay a $10 million buyout fee. In that scenario, joining by the 2023 season could be a long shot, but an earlier exit and higher buyout could be negotiated. The most realistic timeline, sources said, is 2024 for those schools to join the Big 12, which seems like quite a long ways away. Sources in the American told ESPN that Houston, USF, and Cincinnati haven't officially informed the conference of their intent to leave. That should be forthcoming. ESPN reported Thursday that officials from the four schools had informally contacted the Big 12 about membership. All of those schools reached out to us, a Big 12 source said, with knowledge of the discussions. It wasn't like we poached them. They all made the initial communication. So it seems like at some point this week, these schools will ask to join the Big 12 or they will get voted to join the Big 12 potentially by this week. That's what the article says. If I'm the Big 12, I would just try to gobble up all the American teams. Like we're now at a we're now in some sort of like super conference state of events. You know, the SEC expanded, including Oklahoma and Texas, uh, to 16 teams. We've got the ACC, Big Tw- Big Ten, Pac-12 in some sort of alliance. You know, if I'm the Big 12, what do you have to lose? Just gobble up the American teams, gobble up the MAC teams, and just create this big-ass conference. If you're trying to maybe change the dynamics of college football in some way why not just have those teams join your conference call it the big three i mean i don't even know what you call that conference but just gobble those teams up because it seems to be going that way anyways and just create this big ass conference of all these teams and see what happens because we are headed for something now that it just seems to just be continuing to pick up momentum if i'm the big 12 why not be the first to start this really large super conference of all these other conferences? So you have the Big 12, the MAC, the AAC or the American. I mean, just gobble them up. Just do it. It doesn't stop here is basically what I'm, I'm thinking. It doesn't stop with this potential move to get those four teams into the Big 12. I think there's some more shuffling that's going to happen and we shall wait and see before the end of the season if there are any other teams that shuffle into the big 12 or shuffle into the acc only time will tell but with that my friends that brings us to the end of the podcast for week two thank you for downloading the show hope you enjoyed watching week one action it was exciting it was fun 
we got week two coming up we got some exciting games for week two we got another full slate of games to enjoy and to look forward to so i'm excited for that hopefully you are excited for that as well hope you all stay safe this week hope you had a good labor day weekend hopefully it's a short work week for you all that way you can enjoy college football all saturday long thank you for downloading the show everybody i appreciate it look forward to talking to you soon enjoy college football this weekend take care everybody peace and it's just unfortunate that with that injury he is he's out for the season and it, it sucks that minnesota all of the air kind of went out of their sail you know as they were trying to get to shore so pj fleck has got his boys rowing that boat <laughs> thank you again for tuning into my cherry picking podcast if you enjoyed this episode please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on apple podcasts all of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.